This is your Kick-Ass Life podcast, episode number 157. Are you looking to draw a bigger box for yourself? I'm a huge fan of Seth Godin's, and I want to tell you about his Alt-MBA workshop. It's an intensive leadership and management workshop designed for changemakers who have a fire in the belly. This is for people who are itching to level up and make a bigger impact. Four times a year, the workshop brings together over 100 leaders, people from different industries and areas of expertise. The end result, you're surrounded by other leaders who are moving to the top of their respective fields and helping to support each other become stronger, cross-functional change agents. Every week, you're meeting new people from the group. You're getting and giving feedback and seeing your blind spots in a whole new way. It's not about passively learning. It's about actively putting those concepts into practice until they become habit. The idea is to drink from the fire hose and rewire your brain to make new, better habits and have the platform to practice them. Over a 1,000 alumni have been through the Alt-MBA, and they include a mix of leaders, including product managers, lawyers, marketing directors, engineers, filmmakers, and more. The group is half freelancers, half folks at companies and startups like Tesla, Kickstarter, Warby Parker, and more. If you're a leader and want to become even better, this is for you. While most online courses barely approach a 7% completion rate, the Alt-MBA has an astonishing 96% completion rate. They're now accepting applications for their upcoming session to find out more, visit altmba.com forward slash your kickass life and tell them I sent you. This is the Your Kickass Life podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self help and badassery. Because, ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey, ass kickers. How are you? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. And as always, I am so happy and grateful that you are here. Today we are talking about therapy, something I mention quite a bit over here on the podcast. And we even have one of our sponsors, Talkspace. And it just is something that I find very, very important. And I decided to create an episode that hopefully will be helpful to you about how to first choose a therapist, and absolutely as equally important, how to get the most out of it. But before I do that, I want to remind you that I have one spot open for a private client to start in August. So there are two types of packages I offer to work with me privately, but my most popular package is called The Daring Way. That is a program based on the research of Dr. Brene Brown. It's a five-month deep dive with me that takes you from a place of fear into a place of courage and confidence. So if you're in that place where your usual coping skills aren't working for you anymore, the control, the perfectionism, the isolating, the numbing, and you're ready for big transformations, I invite you to go to yourkickasslife.com forward slash coaching. You'll have to click on the leadership coaching and mentoring and go over there, read that page, see if it resonates with you. And if it does, there is a handy dandy button where you will fill out an application. Those applications go directly to me. They are confidential and I hope to hear from you. So why, let's start here. Why therapy? Why is it important? And I often also get the question, what is the difference between therapy and coaching? Do I need therapy if I've never gone before, but I really want to hire a life coach? My humble opinion is that everybody could use therapy. (laughs) I think that it's one of those things that 
you just don't come out of life unscathed. We are humans who are raised by humans, who are in relationship with humans. We are imperfect beings and stuff happens and wounds are created core belief systems are created, negative self-talk is created, and it's extremely helpful to have therapy. Also, if you're someone who doesn't have that person in your life where you can share your stories with, or maybe you do, but you just don't trust anyone yet, then definitely check out therapy. And I know a lot of you listening have, have gone through therapy, and really the difference is if I had to kind of narrow it down into simple terms, and this is something, you know, positive psychology talks about this, and they say that therapy will get you to a place of neutrality, to a place where you understand what's going on. You have hopefully worked on healing a lot of the wounds that you have from your family of origin, from your culture, from your past relationships, and then you are ready to move forward. And and therapy can absolutely help you move forward if you are with a therapist that sort of specializes in that. And coaching is a little bit different in that it helps you take what you already know and what you've already healed and use it to propel yourself forward. So a great analogy that I've heard that I heard way early on in in my work in this is that If you are somebody who has agoraphobia, you are somebody who is afraid to leave your house, you would see a therapist to help figure out why you are afraid to leave your house. What are the reasons? What are the things that happened to you that made you create these beliefs that it is scary and unsafe to leave the house? A life coach will help you strategize and you know, like the the what are you going to do now part of it and hold you accountable. So that's kind of life coaching and therapy in very simple terms. I emphasize very simple terms because now in 2017, life coaching is vastly different even than it was, you know, in 2010 when I first started. So, you know, life coaching has, there's specialists all over the place. You know, I, I special, I do that type of life coaching that I just talked about, but I also do something more specific. So there are all kinds of different therapists as there are all different kinds of life coaches. But today we're talking about therapy. And again, if you keep repeating the same patterns, if you're blaming a lot, in other words, if you find yourself blaming a lot, uh, which by the way is a chapter, an entire chapter in my new book that's coming out at the end of this year because we all do it. (laughs) If you're blaming, then you are probably in a place where you're tolerating a bunch of bullshit or not taking responsibility for your own stuff or both. But therapy also, if you have family of origin stuff, who doesn't? And therapy is not a place to go to blame and shame your parents or the people that raised you. I mean, you can if you want, I guess. (laughs) But it's really to see what core beliefs were developed as a result of your family of origin. And again, a safe place to talk to someone. I don't want to step over couples therapy because couples therapy is can be I mean, it can save your relationship. It's great to have a mediator slash referee to help you with the core issues. Sometimes I hear, especially from women, say, we need to go to couples therapy, but my partner won't go. 
So my response to that is ask your partner if they would ever consider a coach for a team sport. Would you ever think that any team sport from a kindergarten soccer team to an NFL team, would you expect that team to have a coach or would you expect them to just win the championship on their own? And I, to me, it's like, well, obviously <laughs> they would need a coach. And if you could you know, use that analogy with your partner and try to explain to him or her that that's really what therapy is. It's not about judgment. It's not, I think that that's why people are afraid to go to therapy. They're afraid of being judged. They're afraid of being, for some men, they're probably afraid of being emasculated. They're afraid of many things. It's very personal. But that analogy might help. So I'm breaking this episode up into two parts. I'm going to talk about first, how do you find a therapist that's best for you? And then how do you get the most out of therapy? You know, how, Do you just Google it? Do you just like Google a therapist? I've done that. Do you get a referral from someone? I've done that too. Do you just find a therapist whose website says they have a specialty that you need and just hire them. We're going to get into that. And I have had my own years of experience with therapists. I've had, I can probably count on two hands how many I've had. I've had some great ones and I've had some not so great ones. And when I decided to do this episode, you know, I started making a list of all the things and I thought, well, who better to ask about this particular topic than the smartest people I know, and that is my Facebook friends. <laughs> I have a lot of Facebook friends that I don't actually know in real life, but that are in the self-help world. I have a lot of Facebook friends that I actually don't know in real life that are therapists. So I threw it out there and I got so many great responses. And that link, it was a public post. So if you want to read the entire Facebook conversation, there is a link in the show notes. But I'm just going to kind of go through and tell you the the best, the kind of highlights, the best answers that I got. And these are from people who have a lot of experience in therapy, just as, you know, like as, as a layperson and people that are therapists. So let's start with how to find one. So my friend Stacy says, research their areas of concentration, have an initial meeting because chemistry is important. And my friend Patty agrees with that. She says, you're about to spend a lot of time with this person. So have an initial call or session to determine if you click. Plan to interview at least three, but possibly 10 therapists to find a good one. And, and that's interesting that, that Patty says that because when I read that, I was like 10, but I don't know about y'all, but I am a person who, and it's just my personality, I, A, I don't really enjoy researching, so I'm not the type, I remember when my son was born and we were in that place of like researching strollers and car seats and what's the safest and do we need this kind of harness and do head explosion, right? And I I told my husband I'm like I I can't I can't like cuz I'll just pick one based on color. You know, I'm like I like this blue one and I like the pattern. I did that with our car. <laughs> I'm like I want it to be this color and I guess it needs to be safe. My husband just like rolls his eyes. He's like, "Oh my god." So thank goodness in our partnership one of us likes to research. But 
something like this, something like your therapist, absolutely. Try not to make it be an impulsive, knee-jerk decision. Yes, I say follow your gut, but definitely do your due diligence in looking out for that person. So Patty, Patty goes on to say, it used to be that a therapist approach cognitive, behavioral, et cetera, was important, but almost every therapist says they are quote-unquote eclectic now. So ask them what they believe creates change and success for someone. See if their answer resonates with you. Most of all, trust your gut, Patty says. And I I love that. I, I had never even thought of that. So I'm so glad that she said that. Really ask that question, and I'll repeat it. Ask them what they believe creates change for someone, because they might give you an answer that you don't agree with, and so you just save yourself a bunch of time and a bunch of money. So Jennifer says, here's my thoughts as a therapist in private practice. What to look for in a therapist? Listen to your intuition in terms of how you feel interacting with them. Ensure that they have a specialization and or experience in your presenting issues. And she says, it's hard to be truly skilled at everything. That's And notice like every single person I think is saying, you know, trust your gut, follow your intuition. When I was looking for a therapist when we first moved to North Carolina, I knew that I wanted to do EMDR. It's a trauma-based practice. And so I went to – I'll link to this in the show notes – to the EMDR website where you can find someone who is certified in it because not everybody is. And so that was important to me. And then I found – I, I didn't find 10. <laughs> uh, I think I found three. Um, one person wasn't taking new new clients. And then two of the therapists were. I had phone calls with the two of them and then decided on the one. So I definitely agree with Jennifer there and looking for someone who has experience and the credentialing in what you're actually looking for. So my friend Lisa says, check their license to see if they have had any disciplinary actions against them first. I had never even thought about that. I had never even thought about that. I think I just like in the back of my head thought that could never happen. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes, it could. Oh, and then Lisa also says, go with your gut. She says, I prefer someone who has been in practice for a while and took the time to get paneled on many insurance companies' boards. They might be more legitimate. Anyone can say they specialize in a topic, so I do not take that too seriously. I love that Lisa said that, and my friend Lisa is actually in school for this topic and going to become a drug and alcohol counselor and therapist, so I was really happy to see her perspective as well. All right, let's hear from one more person who talked about how to find a great therapist. Mish says, I want someone who isn't going off in tangents about their life. Someone who is willing to ask deep questions and isn't narrow focused. Someone who is personable but professional. And I I get that this is sort of hard to gauge if you're just sort of like picking them from the internet or you just call and have a quick conversation with them. That's why I like before when somebody was talking about having a session with them just to kind of like a get to know you session. I really do think it's worth it. Like, yes, you're going to have to pay for those sessions or your insurance gets gets billed or whatever. But I, I think that if you're really serious about therapy, if you're really looking for someone to have a longer relationship with, like if you're in it to win it, then I think that that might be a great idea to have that initial session where you're not totally committed yet and you're asking all the questions, almost like an interview, 
who knows? I have no idea, but some therapists might actually do that uh, for free. I, I don't know. Don't don't tell anyone that I said that they do, but <laughs> some of them might actually do that. I want to pause and share with all of you about some of the not so great ones that I had. Of course, I'm not going to name any names. I'm not throwing anyone under the bus, but it's kind of funny. So I had one therapist who, well, I should start with my very first therapist, Christine, ended up being my therapist for a long time. She was amazing. She was my, uh, my, my parent, when my parents split up when I was 18, they sent me to therapy. And I was young and had a chip on my shoulder and was not at all. It's hard to get something out of therapy when it's been prescribed to you. And I was not in a place where I was happy to be there. But I stuck with it on and off for about 20 years. And granted, there were long stretches of time, many years where I wouldn't talk to her at all. And then and then we would start up again. And she saw me through my worst times. You know, the story that I tell all of you about when I got divorced and, you know, got together with a guy who faked cancer and I got conned and all that story. Christine saw me through that whole thing. She actually was our marriage counselor for our first marriage. And so I had a a great relationship with her. I was kind of devastated when she retired, (laughs) but she's allowed to do that. So again, you know, I had this great relationship with her and then we moved and I found a new therapist in our new state and he was kind of creepy um, it was okay, but I would I would talk and then he would have these long pauses, which I'm not against. I'm all for people taking the time to gather their thoughts and kind of process. It makes me feel like they're actually listening. But during the long pauses, he would stare at me, like eye contact and everything. It was the most uncomfortable and creepy thing. And it felt a little intense and like even thinking about it, I'm like, uh, no, I think I only had two, maybe three sessions at the most and I couldn't stand it anymore. And then I, at that time I did not have the tools to say, can you not do that? It's freaking me out and slightly inappropriate. So that didn't last long. (laughs) And then, and then I looked again and found a lady who had the most beautiful office I was just enamored by it. Again, see my decisions? This is how I make decisions. <laughs> Ooh, I like your couch and your art on the wall. Uh, so she, I was having a lot of anxiety at that time. And I remember her help was, I think we only had one session. So I had specifically asked her for help around my anxiety. And she told me to give it to God. And Maybe I misunderstood. And and you guys, like, I love me some God. <laughs> I do. And – but that's not what I needed. And I wanted journaling or prompts or some kind of cognitive behavioral therapy. It had been a really long time since I had done that. And I I, I probably – it my in her defense, I probably should have been more specific. And th- But this is in retrospect. At that time, I couldn't see past my nose. It was – I was just, like, flooded with anxiety. I think this must have been right around the time before I got sober and I was just drowning in all of it. And that's, that's all she told me. That was all she had for me. And I 
yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a good fit. Who knows? Maybe I didn't research enough. Maybe she was a spiritual therapist and that was what she told all of her clients. It just it wasn't helpful. So and the reason I tell you this is because if I could have given up, I could have had the creepy staring guy, I could have, you know, had the evangelist lady and then been like, I'm done with this therapy sucks. It's not for me dumb. But I didn't. I kept on keeping on. And then I had a therapist who I really liked her. And I actually found her helpful when we were in our sessions together. However, before and after, when you're kind of making small talk and, you know, you're paying your invoice and making an appointment for next time, et cetera, she was, she was really self-deprecating. So she would – because I, I liked her outfit that she had on and I complimented her. It was kind of like these palazzo pants with this really comfy looking – I like um, like flowy tops. That's what she had on and I told her I, I really liked it and she said, oh, yeah, I call this outfit something about being fat or something and – fat and old or something. And I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> kind of took me by surprise. And then, so I'm like, okay, whatever. That was just like that one time. And then she did it again in another, another time when I saw her and, and just said something like that kind of just like beat herself up. And I just was like, it was, a, it felt like, I felt a little let down, like just this disconnect. And, and maybe it's because I work in this industry and I know like you need to kind of walk your talk. And I know, you know, people are, people are human and, and we have those bad days, but it just felt, yeah, it was, it made me sad. So I don't know. Nobody's perfect, but for me, it felt a little weird and made me uncomfortable. And now I'm with a therapist that I adore, and she is – she's like the the Jewish mom I never had, and I just love her. She's so good at what she does, and she was a referral from a friend who recommended her highly, and I was having a hard time finding somebody. So I just – Again, it, it's just that whole concept of keep looking until you find someone that works for you. So let's switch gears and talk now about how to actually get the most out of therapy. If I had to sum it up, it's you have to go into therapy knowing it will take time and with a willingness to get into it. So I say this to you guys all the time that you have to, you know, you've been operating a certain way for a long time, decades, decades. So it's going to take some time for you to get it all out, get all the stories out, process it, unpack it, unlearn what you have learned over the decades, try new tools, get them wrong, try again, try other tools, and then go about your way. It's like this whole process, and that is never linear. I'm like waving my arms around over here. It's never linear. It just is this sort of messy, imperfect process that you have to commit to. So my friend Jenny says, when I asked the question, like, how do you get the most out of therapy? She says, doing what your therapist says and giving things a try for longer than half a second. Yes, Jenny. Emma says, know that you have to be willing to go to the hard places. Your therapist supports you. They don't fix you. You discover you don't need fixing. She goes on to say, willingness to look at yourself will move mountains. Don't expect results in two seconds. It takes time to build rapport and it takes time to heal. She says, you need to connect with your therapist. If you don't feel comfortable with them, 
you won't do your best work even if they have 10 degrees. Equally, they're not supposed to be your friend. They are there to challenge, hold, and support you. You have actual friends to listen to you and tell you you're right to be mad at your ex or whatever is going on for you. And I I love all those things that Emma said. I think that maybe that's a misconception too, that you don't go to therapy to get fixed. You're not broken. And we are just humans trying to keep on keeping on. (laughs) Again, yes, it does take time. So remember a few weeks ago, gosh, it's probably been more than a few weeks now, but I had Amy on and we were talking about, we had a listener um, question about her marriage counseling and she was saying that there was some stuff that happened and basically the bottom line of it was that she didn't trust her therapist anymore. It was a couple's therapist and that she was hiding stuff from him. So that's, you can't, you just can't, 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 can't. You can't expect to grow and stretch and learn in that very vulnerable and tender place without trust and commitment from all parties in that therapist relationship. So I'll link up to that in the show notes if you guys want to take a listen to that. And also Erica, I felt like this was so so important. I'm so glad that she chimed in to say this. In Getting the Most Out of Therapy, she says, if you are a person of color, having a therapist willing to talk about race or racial backgrounds and trauma, it's imperative as sometimes you need to explore all the reasons you might have pain. When I had this from my therapist, it was a blessing. She was amazing to add that perspective to my work. Such an important point. Thank you, Erica. Kimberly says, the importance of not being afraid to walk away. Even if it's your first time, if you aren't comfortable, in all caps, you can find someone else. It's worth taking the time to keep going until you find someone you click with. I know how annoying repeating the why are you here story is, but it's better to do it over and over than waste your time and money. Go to someone you like, and maybe that's different than someone your friend recommended. Yes, great point, Kimberly. And I've been in that place where you're like, oh my God, I have to find somebody else and tell this whole story again. But what's the alternative? Staying, you know, two other choices. You can just not find someone at all and continue to be in pain and continue to have a very slow growing (laughs) journey. Or you can stay with that person, even though you don't really like them, just because you don't want to tell the story again. Keep looking, keep telling the story. So Kelly Deal says, I feel like a therapist's worldview is really important to know, but traditionally, therapists are not supposed to disclose their worldviews or politics. I had an experience, however, in which a therapist suggested I should be more conventionally feminine and that some of my issues would fade away if I behaved in the way in my relationship, if I behaved in that way in my relationship. Obviously, that's not going to happen. (laughs) And so our two worldviews were a fundamental mismatch. It was then important to me that I find a feminist therapist who wouldn't advise me to change who I was or alter my deliberate chosen commitments in order to navigate the world. So that's what I would advise, and it's counter to the way the profession is organized. Know your therapist's worldview and collective inclinations slash commitments. This is really interesting, and it kind of sparked a conversation in that thread about – because my comment was – not on Kelly's post, but on another one about 
the therapist's model traditionally, and I believe, I'm not 1000% sure, but I believe it's part of their license and credentials and just sort of like the ethics of therapy that you do not disclose about your personal life. And in my opinion, I feel like it's an old model that's outdated. I think it's 2017 and we have come so far over the last few decades about vulnerability and being transparent and our authentic self and all of these things that you hear about and you as listeners can appreciate and value. And I think the conversation also starts to happen is where is the line? Like Mish was saying, I don't want a therapist who's going to go off on tangents about their own life. Personally, I don't either, Mish. And I'm sure a lot of you don't as well. I mean, we've all had that person in our life. Maybe it wasn't a therapist, but like you share something really vulnerable and then they go like, oh my God, me too. And then they they launch into this like five minute story about themselves and you're like, that's awesome for you. But <laughs> of course we don't want that at a therapist. But I remember my my therapist, Christine, and I'd been seeing her for years. And finally one day I said, and I really truly believe this. I said, I'll bet your marriage is perfect because you have all of these tools. And, you know, she would give me such great advice and she had so much wisdom. I really thought, and I wasn't like a teenager thinking this. I was a woman in my late 20s, early 30s, like just, I assumed that, that her marriage was perfect. And she started laughing and she said, well, no, I'm, I'm human at the end of the day. And I said, I was almost like begging her and I'm like, will you please tell me a story about your life and something that's happened to you that wasn't perfect? And she told me a story that about an argument that her and her husband got in. And I think she deliberately picked a story that wasn't bad, that was like kind of more of a funny anecdote. And it was helpful, though. It was helpful for me to just get a glimpse of her humanity. But I had to practically beg her for it. And, and I don't know. You know, again, I'm not a therapist. And the coaching world is very different in that realm. But I don't know what... I don't know what the line is. And maybe that's something that you ask your therapist up front and say, you know, come to think of it, the last therapist I had before the Jewish mom, she, she, the EMDR lady, she was, she was helpful in that respect. And I, I think I, I think I asked her from the get go, from the beginning. And I think I said, like, I would love to hear, you know, anecdotes about your life or if you can relate or, but I still want you to be the therapist. I still want you to be the expert and really kind of take the wheel. So again, it's, it is kind of like a tricky place to be, but I, I love Kelly's point about worldview and collective inclinations, as she called it. So if it is very important to you, you know, if, if you have, I, I'll bet, I've actually read articles that this election that just happened last year threw everything upside down in therapy, because I'm sure a lot of people were coming to their therapists on either side being in places where they were fighting with their family, where they were um, really upset and triggered by certain politicians, where they were having conflicts at work with their bosses or their coworkers. And there were probably therapists sitting there in front of their client with completely different political views and thinking like, oh my God. <laughs> and really testing their own boundaries and testing their own professionalism. And I can imagine, I'm sure probably some of you are therapists who are listening to this going like, yeah, that was me. And it was so incredibly hard. Or maybe you were in therapy talking to your therapist about it thinking, did they vote opposite of me? Because, <laughs> you know, we don't, we don't always know. We don't always know. So that's tricky, right? All right. So I have one more from my genius Facebook friends, 
And Erin says, also as a therapist, she says, I emphasize that I am human first, trained clinician second. In other words, I am not on a pedestal. I've struggled with several similar issues as well in my life. I've just gone to school and practice to learn the tools, thoughts, etc., to move through them. I also let my clients know that I will circle back after our second session to make sure the client feels as though we are a fit or not. I will help the client, if we are not a fit, I will help the client find someone who is. I've had far too many clients say that they've stayed with therapists in the past way too long despite not feeling a connection because they didn't know how to, quote unquote, stop going. This is often one of our first lessons together of empowerment. I love that. I love that, Erin. And then she goes on to say, lastly, I emphasize that after 20 years of being a therapist, I think I've heard it all hopefully allowing them to feel as though they can bring up challenging topics without the fear of being judged. I love that. And Erin is so great. And I I think that when I, when I read that, I thought to myself, you know, people that go to therapy probably have issues with boundaries and speaking up for themselves and saying no when they need to, but it's uncomfortable. So I can see how that would be a big problem. And I'm going to read again what she said. I've had far too many clients say they've stayed with therapists in the past way too long despite not feeling a connection because they don't know how to, quote unquote, stop going, right? I've had friends that have done that and just, well, you know, I'm for whatever reason, like they just didn't feel a fit or the relationship was over and they they felt, I I have one friend who's like, I go to therapy and all we do is like chit chat. And and I'm like, why are you still going? So it could be for whatever reason, right? Okay, so I hope that that was helpful for everybody. Please go to therapy if you need to. And hey, guess what? Guess who's coming back on the podcast next week? I'm very excited to have Jen Sincero of You Are a Badass and the more recent book, You Are a Badass at Making Money. She's back on the podcast next week. Make sure you tune in. I'm so excited for this conversation. And hey, Jen wrote the blurb for my new book. She's endorsing my new book, uh, How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, which, which comes out at the end of this year. All right, everybody. See you next week. And until then, I will see you in cyberspace. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 